What's going on, guys? Kieran Headley here from the Pocket Coach Podcast. And I'm very excited to introduce uh, this guest of mine here today. Very special man. Honestly, has had such an impact on my own life. And I can guarantee that if you not only just listen to this and listen to the things that he's going to say, but also uh, tune in to some of the work that he does, I can guarantee you're going to get some form of impact from it. So I'm going to basically run over uh, and introduce the guest. He's come from this overthinking, endless, critical mind, a space where he was in when he was much younger, to going to becoming um, a party tour guide in Spain, to be uh, to a place where he was deepening his spiritual journey in the Himalayas, uh, did a huge amount of study and meditation, um, then moved to Hawaii uh, and studied intuitive uh, and healing arts to becoming a directive of intuitive medicine and healing um, uh, in a center, and then also has over 10 years of teaching experience now in California and teaches meditation in Cornell University and travels teaching workshop seminars and retreats and runs a business called Grounded Minds and has over 1 million streams on Insight Timer. Uh, his name is Dave Ganderman, and I've been following his meditation for over four months now, and I've absolutely loved them. It's really changed the course of my own meditation um and honestly has had a huge impact in my own life so um david welcome <laughs> thank you so much for having me damn i can't believe i've done all of that <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and I, I honestly really appreciate you for being on and uh, I'm, I'm just really excited to really um to introduce you so at the moment uh, what are you currently doing where are you currently based you still in california right now the second yes yeah so actually i live in los angeles i uh, just spent a month up in victoria canada it's a uh i have vancouver island island uh in canada writing working on a book and uh I'm, I'm back here in la i teach in person at a place called the den and i teach on the east coast once a semester at cornell university in new york um doing all my work online uh i coach i i mentor i guide i write my days are pretty full i would say these days creating content mostly uh i try to spend as much time as i can creating content for people to listen to like in australia new zealand bali uh europe wherever they are uh, I used to hustle, Kieran. I used to, I used to teach, you know, in person as much as I could to like groups of ten, five, ten, fifteen people at a time. And man, I got tired after a while. I realized there's got to be another way to to reach people, and that was just when Instagram and podcasts and apps like Insight Timer started coming out. And so I started getting to reach these larger audiences, and that's where I've been focusing more of my energy. Amazing. And yeah. over that course of um, when you're hustling, were, were, were the times where overwhelm was a big factor? Were the times where you felt like, oh, oh, oh my God, am I on the right path? Yeah, I I went from directing an, a spiritual school in Hawaii, which was a nonprofit, which when if anybody's ever worked for a nonprofit, you know that they don't always run that smoothly. They often don't have enough money and it's you're, you're struggling and it's like a lot, a lot of work. And so when I started, you know, doing my own thing, running my own meditation kind of school and business, uh, I was working crazy, crazy, endless hours. And I had to recognize that there's a better way to do it. And so for me, it was like hiring people to help me. It was creating content that could be consumed at any time where I didn't have to be live or at least doing webinars. It was podcasting, uh, writing, all of these things that 
that I could share with people without having to be in person all the time. And because it, it was, imagine a meditation teacher being stressed, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's not good for business. Yeah. Deep in your brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, all right, let's meditate. And you know what? I, I teach at a very, uh, I guess you would say like popular meditation place here in the studio in Los Angeles. And I really do see a lot of the teachers struggle in their business life because just being a meditation teacher doesn't tend to pay a lot unless you're like Deepak Chopra, right? <laughs> or, or Eckhart Tolle. And so, and a, a lot, I've become like the de facto coach there of like helping them with their online businesses or reaching more audience, you know, larger audience, because it's like being a yoga teacher or being a health coach, right? Or a, a nutrition coach. A lot of people in the healing arts have a hard time uh, making it work. And it, and because it's, there's, there's such new fields and they're not very regulated. It's kind of the wild west, as you know, and so people need guidance, and I did too. So I struggled figuring it all out for years uh, and then created some systems that did work for me. And But at the end of the day, though, you could have the coolest systems and business and platform and app ever, but if your content sucks, then it doesn't matter. And what I've noticed living in a place like LA, everybody wants to create this amazing platform, but they don't take the time to develop into themselves as teachers, as healers, as guides. And But they want they all want the flashy platform. And definitely what I learned is you got to you got to do the work first and then create something around that. Otherwise, you're just going to wrap a big piece of doo-doo in a nice package and give it to everyone it's and call it, use nice <laughs> words. Yeah, exactly. Light it on fire, ring the doorbell and run. Yeah. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> Take it. This, is, this is what I got, my fancy yeah. app. So uh, I've noticed a lot of that. And, and uh, yeah, so... If you are listening to this and you're like, I do have this career path that's kind of entrepreneurial or healing in some way, uh, make sure you do the inner work first. And then there's a whole second arc, which is doing the outer work. Oh my God, so true. And actually, it was just over a year ago, I was um, still living in New Zealand uh, and I wanted to give this online gig a go. Uh, I was in fitness, I was a personal trainer and actually similar kind of scene, I was um, so busy trying to work this um, online space and also this physical space and it was just too much it was overwhelming as well as doing social media as you know that alone has a full-time job which is uh, you know why it's good to sort of get someone on which I'm trying to do now but um, the yeah. it was just too much and I, I really tried to get into the online space and I had this thought in my head of oh my god um, I don't know if this is possible I don't know if it's going um, if I'm going to manage to actually get to a place like Bali or like California I actually lived in California for a bit um, or yeah, just to be able to actually be in that space. And I never even thought of mental health as a, as a, as a possible way to live. I literally thought that I had to work my way up to be very rich, um, so that I could dedicate some of my spare time to working mental health. Right. So that was, that was my thought process. And that's why I started in real fitness. Cause, um, a was coming from this lack of, um, esteem, respect, uh, love within myself. And, um, I felt that this idea of building my physicality would, um, help build my mentality, which is true to a point, but obviously there was a lot of issues that weren't addressed. So yeah. uh, naturally my, I was looking at meditation and that was definitely something that was diving me deeper, but I never allowed it to go truly deep. And that's what you opened me up to, honestly, um, was that actual, that, that next layer um, that really brought a deeper level of acceptance within me. So 
So, what happened? You're meditating, listening to my voice. <laughs> and and what happened? You just hit a level of depth or you released some emotion or you realized something about yourself. What was it? Um, it was uh, this actual, this need for self-respect uh, or this need for respect from others rather. So I realized that the, the, the true need was actually like a self-respect for myself. Um, but it was honestly looking for seeing those mirrors and seeing those things that I felt I lacked within myself and thinking that, I was actually needing it from someone else. So it was really looking at that and really turning inward uh, more more so than actually what I was doing before. I was still looking yeah. outward quite a lot and I didn't even realize it. So it was actually coming to those realizations and really observing, um, really being able to observe thoughts and observe feelings and actually accept myself with those feelings and thoughts before it would be, you know, only I'd only be able to accept myself with more pleasant emotions or more pleasant thoughts, right? So that was, yeah, that was definitely a big factor for me. Um, Good. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And I do want to say that it was because, honestly, because I, when I reached Bali, when I came to Bali before and a bit months ago, I was still in quite a bit of anxiety financially. Um, not because I was dead broke uh, and I had clients, I was earning income, I was losing clients, I was getting clients. It was, it was great. But it was an anxious process because even though I'd built myself to a point where I could only imagine myself being a year ago, like um, I was, I was, you know, dreaming about that. And I, then I finally got to Bali and I was doing this online business and it was, it was going, going decently at least. And I thought, oh man, that was never possible a year ago, but here I am. I'm still super anxious. It hadn't right quite met my needs per se. Uh, and that's when your meditation, uh, your meditations actually really brought that really light and that allowed me to dive a little bit deeper uh, and that was actually what allowed me to um, understand this idea of you really do need to turn inward and do the inner work before you actually go, um, yeah, outwardly and grow. Was- hmm. You know what I just realized? I don't think my mic was on. Oh, really? No way. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I heard you anyway, so. I mean, the computer was done, so if my voice just changed a little bit. Sorry about that. Oh, that's uh, fine. That's, well, that, you know what? That's great to hear. Kieran, that's really, really amazing. And I think when I was probably mid-20s, I had similar, oh, similar, I would say, awakening or spiritual awakening. I was like, oh, man, I have been searching for everyone's validation. And, and that's when we're really searching for identity and for meaning, right? And that those things can definitely cause anxiety. There's a, there's a nice Zen saying, uh, enlightenment is when you don't have anxiety around imperfection. And I think a, most of us feel anxiety because of that feeling of imperfection, whether it's a thought that's like a, a shitty thought, like, why did I just have this shitty thought, right? Or uh, anxiety around a feeling, like, why am I having these feelings? I, I thought it was more of a positive person. Or money, or a career, or what, it, what you know, relationship, whatever it happens to be. We experience that and then the anxiety is really just the icing on the cake anxiety is like the topmost layer it's the outermost energy that we're experiencing day to day but we really have to get under the hood and get underneath it to see what's going on but i do like to tell my students like we have to we have to look into the anxiety right like the answer is inside of the anxiety don't try to go around it or under it or ignore it we really have to go through it and to go through it, we have to sit still and we have to be willing to feel like shit sometimes and, and just sit with it. If we medicate ourselves the minute we're anxious, uh, whether that's actual medication or alcohol or, or weed or whatever it is, then we are avoiding. And 
and there are consequences to avoiding the anxiety will build it'll it'll actually start to build and morph into its own creature and then we create these subtle these subtle pathways in our brain to get around it even when we think we're getting through it and i can't tell you how many spiritual quote-unquote spiritual people i've worked with who are like oh yeah everything's cool i only have positive thoughts but i had a friend exactly what you mean I had a friend recently say, I just realized I think positive thoughts all day or I try to, to get around my anxiety. So I'm pretending to be a positive person to get around the anxiety. And you know what? Long term, that's a losing, a losing battle. Because as one of my teachers used to say, nothing gets suppressed forever or nothing gets suppressed successfully ultimately because it eventually will find a way out and it's better it does now than 20 years later when you're married and you know someone leaves a sock on the floor and you start a shouting match and neither of you has any idea why you're fighting <laughs> and it's because you didn't deal with that when it came up uh, and so the art of meditation is sitting down and becoming aware of the energy that we're actually experiencing and dealing with it and that's super uncomfortable a lot yeah. of the time. But if we don't, we end up pretty neurotic when we're older. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh like it was actually, yeah, more recently that I managed to bring a lot of those issues up. And it was because I was avoiding them for so long that I was constantly reacting based off past experiences. And it'll be, you know, different situations, but the reaction would be the same. Because that's the way I was programmed to react rather than actually stepping back and observing myself doing that and being like, oh wait. That's, that, that, that's a subconscious reaction. That's something that I, that I can, you know, work on and reprogram by observing to, um, to start with. And actually what you said about positivity is something that I've actually talked about quite a lot. So thank you so much for bringing that up because I find that's a big thing for me. Uh, when I was younger, I was always putting a smile on my face uh, through my depression and yeah. um, through this underlying depression, always wanting to be seen positive and always feeling like I had to be positive to be accepted. That was one layer. The second layer was once I started to get into fitness was this idea that everything always had to be good, right? Everything always had to look good. Um, yeah, I always had to be positive um, in order to be happy. So it would always be like, okay, make it into a positive, make it into a positive. But I was avoiding the negative. Uh, and that was the problem that I noticed is actually, I, I've talked to quite a few positive, you know, positivity people now. And you, you definitely notice there's a lot of underlying anxiety where they have this pressure of they always need to, always need to be seen as positive. Uh, they always need to show up as positive. And they're constantly avoiding all these issues and they're wondering why this anxiety is building. So it was, I, I yeah. think that was a big thing for me. Absolutely, Absolutely yeah. Ben. Oh, I see it all the time. Yeah. I think there's a Carl Jung quote where he says, if you want to reach to heaven, you have to, you have to allow your roots to grow down into hell. And I think the people who have had the depth of experience of whether it's depression or loss, uh, some form of suffering or another, those are the people when you have that depth, they can also have the depth of happiness, of, of, of bliss, of joy. And if you haven't, and you live in this kind of shallow area of life, you may be just missing out on a lot of amazing, amazing experience that you need. And, uh, and so nobody gets on and off planet Earth without suffering. <laughs> if there's one true thing, it is, it is that, nobody. And, you know, in the story of the Buddha, he, his, his father tried to keep him from any suffering whatsoever. He lived in a, in a kingdom, in a, uh, 
he was a prince and one day he finally left the castle and saw all this suffering or i don't know if it was a castle or whatever he lived in <laughs> he, he left and he saw all this suffering and it triggered something in him like whoa there's a shitload of suffering in life what do we do about that and that quest uh led to his awakening which has helped you know countless millions of people in that same exact quest which is all right i'm suffering from stress, from anxiety, from feeling like I don't have enough of something, I'm not good enough, life will never be the way I want it to be, you know, physical pain, loss, what the hell do I do with all of this? And most people will have their spiritual awakening from some form of suffering, like from some some, some kind of external pressure that they just can't take anymore, where something in them just like has a breakthrough, either a breakdown or hopefully a, a breakthrough. But, you know, if you come to meditation early enough and you consciously enough, uh, you can have one of those breakthroughs from the inside out. Uh, there's a saying, if you, if you break an egg from the outside in, life ends. But if you break it from the inside out, life begins. And unfortunately, most of us, you know, most of us, I would say, not that our life ends, but our eggs get broken from the outside in. Uh, rarely does an egg get broken from the inside out where somebody just out of the blue is like, oh, I get it. Mm. Usually we got to get smacked upside the head a couple thousand times. <laughs> I so resonate with that. And actually uh, for a long time, and it's, it's definitely a, um, the, the way things seem to go unless you turn inward, which is however your outward is, it becomes your inner world unless your inner world is taken care of first, right? Um, and the moment my inner world was taken care of, like I was starting to be taken care of, uh, things didn't, didn't change. I was no longer reliant on um, uh, outward occurrences to make me happy. Uh, the, the happiness was going to come from me. Uh, otherwise, I was going to be accidentally happy, and most of the time I was going to suffer because things weren't going a specific way, right? And Absolutely. How often well, living in, <laughs> living in Bali, it's easier to be happy. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, mate. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> and uh, there is something very special about that place and the culture yeah. that that just breeds uh, peace and happiness. Not that it's perfect by any means. There's a lot of suffering there, but mm -hmm. as Westerners, when we come there from what we're from and seeing that uh, community and that just living in the moment and that sharing energy, it's it's special. Yeah, it really is. And actually, speaking about. Um, sort of bringing yeah bringing uh, more acceptance within um it was definitely a big thing for me being able to come here to bali and take a step back from a lot of the attachments and triggers that i had uh because the triggers weren't really present here uh, initially uh, and then i started to notice different things right because obviously wherever you go there you are but it, it did take allow me to take a step back from a lot of that stuff and really observe um which bali definitely gave me an opportunity to which is why um I like the idea, and um, obviously it's not necessary, but I like the idea of um, people moving. And that doesn't necessarily mean they have to go to another country, but just moving out of their normal space, whether that's you know work, socializing, and home, um, out of those three spaces, if they can at least get out, uh, it's, it's a great way to gain perspective in yeah. a way. I mean, physically moving for me is what changed my life, traveling abroad when I was young definitely shaped my life and I recommend it to everybody who has the means and if you don't have the means uh go to Bali anyway India is cheaper anyway Thailand is cheaper anyway uh and so there if there is a will there is a way 
for sure. And it just gives you, you got to see this planet. It gives you perspective. Oh, it does. It really does. Yeah. Especially if you go to a third world country, it really puts things into perspective. Yeah. And just seeing how they can make do with such minimalism is absolutely incredible. It's, it's really inspiring. It honestly is. Um, and it's taught me a lot. Yeah. As I'm sure it taught you a lot. Um, so what, um, I do want to actually dive into a little bit more about you. Because uh, there are things that I want to ask as well, but I feel like a lot of the stuff might come up in your story. So I want you to introduce little David. Okay. So uh, <laughs> so going really back, um, what was it like for you growing up? Um, what was family like and what was your childhood like? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, it's interesting. My parents and grandparents immigrated from Russia to America and uh, grandparents survived the Holocaust. A lot of my relatives actually didn't. And I remember when I was running the school, spiritual school in Hawaii, thinking, wow, just a generation or so back, you know, my grandfather, who's luckily still alive, uh, he was running from the Nazis. And my other grandfather was old enough where he was fight, he was a captain in the war and he was physically fighting the Nazis. He got medals and barely survived, had an injury for the rest of his life. And uh, here I am in Hawaii, running this spiritual school, doing all this woo-woo stuff, getting to play. And so I, I remember one day just having that realization, like, damn, I better be grateful for this. Uh, so when, we, when I was little growing up in New York and then New Jersey, uh, you know, we were definitely poor. My family came over from Russia probably with a few hundred dollars. And, uh, and we just made our way. And my grandfather didn't speak a word of English. And he was an engineer in, in Russia, and he, was, he started off as a janitor at Boeing, where they were building helicopters and warplanes. He was pointing, like, put that there, put this here. And eventually, when he learned English, they made him an engineer, and he was working on F-16s and fighter jets, helicopters. Uh, but man, did he have to start all over. So whatever your journey is and my journey is is fucking way easier than whatever their journey was oh unfortunately because of their journey there's so much pain and trauma and stuckness whereas like we're like whoa individuality and we get to just do whatever we want and travel uh and so i'm very blessed for that and you know that when i was so then my my spiritual journey really started when i was a teenager and i read a book by Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. Okay. And uh, that that was like the light bulb inside me just kind of turned on. Uh, and at that moment, like everything shifted and I started meditating a lot, reading books. And, and when you read that first book, that wasn't your choice, was it? Is your brother that... Uh, so my brother that? came home from, from college. He was doing a lot of acid. And he was like, <laughs> you never read a book in your life, damn it. And he dragged me to the bookstore and he was like, just oh. pick a book in the whole Barnes and Nobles bookstore, you know. And I just randomly picked up a meditation book and just looked nice. I had no interest in it whatsoever. And I went home and like, literally by page three, just like some, it was almost like I had been waiting my whole life just to read this one paragraph or line. And it just like something in me just really woke up. Uh, and I was never the same person again. And honestly, my life got so much better. Uh, all of a sudden, I became captain of the varsity ice hockey team. I got the cutest girl in school. I, uh, I got into college. It was easier for me to pay attention, to read, to write, to create. Like, I was calmer. Like, like my life was like a really great stock chart. Like, everything just went up. 
and I was all of a sudden I became really interested in really deep questions about life, and so I got a degree in philosophy uh, and politics, and and then I went off to live in the Himalayas in India. Well, first in Spain, I went to Spain to teach English, and I was a party tour guide, so I definitely got that out of my system, and then uh, and then off to India where I spent uh, a good amount of time living in an ashram studying uh, Hindu, Buddha, Hindu traditions, Buddhism, Vedanta, Zen, all sorts. Just, you know, books stacked to the ceiling day and night, reading, meditating. Uh, Can I just ask you, just before you continue, what, um, was this something that triggered you to go to India? You know, since I started meditating, I just had this... I just had this fierce desire to go. I would literally, it was like the beginnings of the internet. We had like dial up and I would go online and look up ashrams, India, and just like salivate. Just like, oh, I want to go live there. No reason. I grew up in the suburbs. My parents, not spiritual, religious in any way. Dad's an engineer, mom's an accountant. You know, none of that growing up at all. And, uh, and it, was just, it, was, it was crazy how it was coming out of me. So for me, the way I experience it and perceive it is like I have all, my soul has all this experience, I guess you would say, in this area of life. And it just, something triggered it. It was already inside me, something triggered it. And, uh, and there was no stopping me from there. That was pretty much it. The hard part became after I had all of this experience and awakening and, you know, cool, cool stuff happening. Like, all right, I still need a job. I still need like a life path or a partner or where I want to live. And that was a much harder arc for me than, than the spiritual one. And uh, that's why I teach about it so much because a lot of people, they have these great awakenings, but then they're ungrounded or lost. Mm. And and having an awakening or a realization, whatever you want to call it, an aha moment about life, that's not the end of the story. That's the beginning. Before that, you're just asleep at the wheel. You're just programming that's functioning, trying to get food and validation and sex, you know, and and you're you're just automated. I think free will is actually almost it's like on a uh, on a spectrum. Like some people have almost no free will. They're just automations and some people they have they've like found a way to have a lot and it's like when they have a thought or a feeling or an intuition or an intention the world moves around them uh i i like to look at uh you know a lot of people are into astrology and how the planets affect them and and, and they read their horoscope and they go oh man today's a bad day to travel so i won't travel but, but, uh, there's this indian guru yogananda uh there's a book called autobiography of a yogi it was the only book steve jobs ever like owned apparently he like had thousands of copies and he would just give them away to everyone so if you get a chance autobiography of a yogi and in this book his teacher said to him uh you know we you don't want to become the effect of the planets and it doesn't matter if you believe in that or not. It's, it's the it's the metaphors. Like you don't want to become the effect of the gravity of the planets. You want to be able to get free of that effect and and make your own decisions and own choices. So in in India at the time, astrology was what did it. In our cultural mythology, it's genetics, right? And it and it's programming of that sort. And one day, I think even that will evolve into, I think there's more complicated ways actually of looking at it that we don't yet understand, especially our, how, gene, how our genes are turned on and off by our environment. Like that's something that's still developing, especially, you know, when we're stressed, how that'll change our physiology. And, and so, but whatever it is, 
on one level or another, you're as you're growing, you're deciding like, I'm not gonna let the world dictate my life. I'm going to start to dictate my own life and live on purpose instead of by accident. Because how many of us wake up in the morning and we just live by accident? Like our email inbox decides what we do for the day. Some phone call or text, somebody else's energy, somebody else's expectation. Halfway through the day, we're frustrated, annoyed, tired, hangry. (laughs) God damn it, I didn't do what I wanted to do today. And I love being an entrepreneur because the challenge of an entrepreneur is to literally do what you need to do to create more freedom for yourself and the people around you every day and not let the thousand little things pull you. And so it's such an incredible challenge to just take the top one two or three priorities and just go with them really really deep and uh well whatever sure, you're doing actually, that is a lot harder than uh, you perceive it to be because when i when I, before i started in the online space i thought oh my god like all this freedom you know what freedom, I, mean? oh, I know i know and then i come here um and then i start to realize oh my god i'm literally writing down these things to do today and i did none of them and I was working the entire day. Where did it go? <laughs> but then I started to realize that I was putting my energy elsewhere a lot. Um, exactly what you said. So it's really interesting that you say that because it's something I'm needing to work on now is actually yeah. finding where I can put my boundaries. And, um, if you go to a nine to five, maybe you don't have to think about that so much because you just do what they tell you yeah. or inside of a framework. But if you're on your own, man, it's up to you. Oh and God. even if you are at a nine to five, I, th- I think it, you have to turn it around and make it up to you and make it about you. So I had a job where I used to work for Expedia, the travel company. And one day I decided to to make the goal that like every person I talk to, I'm going to use as an opportunity to grow in some way. So if I'm nervous, if I'm stuck, if I get frustrated, find them, find compassion, like whatever it is, every moment I'm going to find a way to grow and then I would journal when no one was looking I would write all of it down so whatever you're doing there's always a way to turn it into your favor and make sure that you're living on purpose and you know I had to spend two years at that job uh, and do that every day until I one day I was like man I feel like I'm graduating from this I feel like I got it Uh, and right when I did that I used to always try to be way too polite and nice and help everybody And, and right when I felt that this guy came up to me and just like berated me just yelling at me and instead of like shrinking into little david (laughs) yes whatever you want sir uh you know i just like stood my ground i was like no not gonna help you or back off you're being a dick yeah (laughs) i didn't didn't say that but uh yeah i showed him a really good boundary which i had a lot of heart trouble with at the time and then that was it i i got my dream job being the director of the spiritual school in hawaii instead like a week later and and I moved on. So if you are finding yourself struggling in some way in life, there maybe you need to not try to get out of it, but try to get into it and understand what you need to extract out of it. And then as your energy shift shifts, that situation may start to shift. Yeah, I see, I see. That, that's, that's huge, honestly, because it, it's not very easy just to sort of move on like that um whether it is in a relationship or in a work situation right um whether it's moving on from that job moving on from that partner um physically um and that doesn't always solve it does it (laughs) people well people get in so much resistance and they're like i'm so ready i'll do the la voice oh my god like i'm so ready to manifest a new job that like pays me so much money and uh it's my dream job (laughs) right and uh 
like, okay, well, how much resistance are you in to where you are now? Let me, let's look at a gauge zero to a hundred. How much resistance are you in? If you're listening to this, if this relates to you or to a relationship, how much, or maybe you're single and you're in resistance to being single or poor and you're in resistance to being poor or, or don't know what you want to do with life and you're in resistance to being unsure, whatever it is. So zero to a hundred, how much resistance are you in? So, so the career thing, I'm in 90% resistance. Cool. That means 90% of your energy is stuck. And you're, and you're working with 10% of your energy to create whatever it is that you're saying you're all positive about. It's all shallow surface level. So we got to look at that 90% or 50 or 30, see what it truly is, why there's so much frustration. And if you sit and meditate with that, for example, it's the career thing and you close your eyes and you're like, ah, oh, this fucking 90%, <laughs> damn it, that podcast. <laughs> like, what do I do about this? And you sit with that and you just look at it and be with it. All of a sudden you go, oh, my God, I see a picture of this pressure from my dad about who I should be when I grow up. I've totally been stuck on that, believing it even when I thought I didn't. And then it's almost like it, like an alien. It like comes out of you, like, you know, it just like comes out of you. And then you could feel it almost release out of your head or your stomach or your chest. That's when you're really doing the work, when it's like viscerally the energy is moving. Or you sit and close your eyes and you're like, man, I'm 50% of resistance to being alone and not having a partner. And, and then again, oh, wow, there's all this pain around my heart. I feel like I'm not good. If I don't have somebody else, it means I'm like not attractive or something. Working through those layers of insecurity. You know, what Whatever it is for you, the only way around, as Robert Frost would say, is through. The only way around is through. And so uh, if you haven't created something you want to create in your life, the first step from my experience is to go inwards and to work the energy around that. And then, of course, you have to do all the practical steps. If you do all the practical stuff and your energy hasn't shifted, you're probably going to just recreate the same thing over and over. Like you'll just keep recreating the same kind of partner, same kind of job, more poverty, you know, what, whatever it is. So life really does, I think, I think life is fair in the sense it gives us the opportunity every moment to change our energy. So stop complaining if you are. <laughs> Focus on that frustration or that resistance and see what answers are, are inside of it. There's probably a lot more than you're willing to admit. And get help. Yeah. Uh, I never got anywhere completely on my own. Coaches, guides, teachers, books, courses uh i fucking devoured them because <laughs> i needed help as, and i still do i still work with with other healers and guides all the time to make sure i'm in you know my energy is in check and i'm getting the reflection from another human being that i need uh and you know a lot of people will write to me and say you're so great you're so wonderful thank you and and i need to make sure that that gets checked <laughs> before I ever believe that and yeah. whatever it is for you right we're all evolving it's always something else I remember someone saying to me like you can't go out there and teach like all those people all those millions of people you'll become one of those weird gurus and and you'll fuck it up you know what it was like some shitty thing <laughs> don't go don't go be bright and live your path because of the negative consequences that may arise <laughs> and and I was like well 
then that will be my path, will be to deal with the admiration, will be to deal with the energy, will be to deal with the criticism. There's tons of, I get criticism, will be to deal with all of that. That'll be my next step. Whatever we choose on our path, we have to deal with the energy. But sitting back and going, don't do something because of what might happen is never got anyone anywhere. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you're always fear, fearing what what could possibly happen, um, you're either going to do one or two things. You're either going to not do anything at all, or you're going to go and half ass at you with the fear of something happening. Um, exactly. Yeah, and you're much less likely to succeed. I always use the example of if you've got a plastic bottle and a, and a glass uh, cup. Uh, you try flipping the plastic bottle. You're not afraid to drop it. You're more likely to catch it. But when you throw a glass in the air, uh, you're very scared to catch it. Or you don't oh, throw yeah. it as high. Or you don't throw it at all because you know you don't want to risk dropping it. Right. Similar thing to when it comes to talking to people for the first time um, in relationships, having a discussion, uh, not giving the full story because you're so afraid of how, like how you want to portray it or you know sugarcoating things. Uh, completely. Yeah, I think dating is great for that. Like a lot of people are scared to ask someone out on a date, and then they just still have the time. Yeah, yeah, of course. But like, uh, like people will just wait. They'll just wait. They'll they'll do it online a little bit, but kind of stay hidden. Uh, But in some form or another, they'll they'll wait. And I think it's great practice. Mm. asking people out and getting rejected over and over i think that's a really great difficult practice Uh, not being creepy in it but like just pursuing people that interest you in a healthy way Mm. it's it's really really great practice to to build resist uh resilience you know but uh, the other thing i want to a lot of people will come to a realization like on a conceptual level like oh i understand like you don't want to get stuck in resistance. Oh, I understand. And then they'll start to always think that that's different than experiencing it. So there's there's phases in growth. So the first phase of growth, we start to come out of like deep sleep of life. We're in this dream. And then the next phase is we 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 start to gather information like and concepts like, oh, this is what enlightenment is. That's what anxiety is. This is what life's about. This is what life isn't about. And then we're just living in our heads. That is a very natural part of growth that is completely unavoidable. For me, I took that way far and I went and got a degree in philosophy. I was like, if I read every book that's ever been written by every smart person, I will understand, I will be smart and, yeah. and, and be that wise. Not even close. That is like trying to wipe something off of your face in the mirror. It's not real. It's just I conceptual. That. I love yeah. that so much. And and so, but that I want to, I don't want to knock that because that is a natural phase of growth that nobody gets around. Yeah. So we go through that and then we start to integrate it and live it, you know, and really deepen into a practice. Uh, and that you have to find a practice that works for you, guides, teachers, and, and integrate that. Like experience is the ultimate teacher. And uh, I think, I know when I was like 22, I was just like so arrogant. I was like, oh, I have a degree in philosophy now. I know everything, but I didn't have the, any experience yet. and just had to have life kick my ass over and over. And for me, it was a lot of like heartbreak and relationship stuff that was kicking my ass first. I was like over and over. I was like, oh, this is such a tough space. <laughs> for, so I didn't realize for a while that was my spiritual practice. Like I had to like, relationship was my spiritual practice and then uh career 
you know, then career became a spiritual practice. Money is a spiritual practice. I, I spent so much time doing intuitive stuff and healing and all that really wild woo-woo stuff. And I got, I got better and better at that. And I, so I just stayed in that zone because I would literally, I spent seven years with my eyes closed in a green plastic chair doing one-on-one, thousands of one-on-one sessions with people. And I got really like, you know, good at this one thing. And it was a great way to not do the other things until I, one day I got up and I was like, ah, damn it. <laughs> I need some money or, you know, maybe a partner. And it was a great uh, arc for me, but at some point it needed to end and, and to shift. And then I had to learn a whole new arc of entrepreneurship and of teaching and of connecting with people. And I'm, you know, still in that arc. I love that. And actually I do want to actually, um, because you did bring up relationships a bit there and that that's definitely a part that interests me a lot. Uh, cause I've, um, naturally we've all had our own struggles. I've definitely had my, my fair share of struggles through relationships, um, in and out of relationships, uh, after relationships, before relationships, right. Uh, all around that. So I, I do want to ask about something because there's, one, one, I remember doing one of your meditations and you mentioned about how once upon a time you saw uh, someone in a restaurant and you thought it was your girlfriend uh, and something triggered inside of you and you realize, oh, this, that's something that I'm still holding on to. Um, yeah. I thought I was over this. So in terms of actually uh, when it comes to letting go, can you talk on a bit on actually truly letting go and knowing when you've actually fully let go? Because um, some Absolutely. people get an idea that they have when they actually haven't and they're still holding on to that and they're using a lot of that energy or taking a lot of that energy away from the future. So I want yeah. to talk about that first before I dive into the relationship stuff, actually. Sure. Well, first I would say maybe ease up on the expectation that you should ever fully let go. Mm. That the perfection is in and of itself an anxiety generator and an emotion suppressor. <laughs> So let, so maybe you'll be a little bit of a mess forever around that. Let's just like, let's just be human and that's okay, right? Then the next step is, yeah, to, to be real about how much you've let go, you, nobody else can ultimately judge that for you. You have to look inside and feel that for yourself. So obviously in that moment, I saw this girl who I thought was my girlfriend who wasn't, and I just like panged in my chest, right? I was just like, oh no, she's with somebody else. Just like, oh. I know that feeling. Because <laughs> that comes from rejection, right? And attachment. And those are natural things that happen to us, right? And, and so uh, it that was a lot of work for me to, to work through those layers. And how you do that, I you know, that's a complicated answer. <laughs> I do, that's why I created a course called Letting Go of Attachment. And what I like to do, though, is close. I like to close my eyes. This is one technique out of many and just bring up what is it that I feel like I just cannot let go of. So, all right, this part, this ex-partner, two partners ago. All right, what is it about this partner that I really appreciated and, and loved? Yeah. They were super kind and open. And okay, oh, now I'm missing that. Oh, so wait, it's not about them. It's about what I'm missing, which is those feelings. Right? It's about I was getting love. Now I'm not getting love. Fuck the other person. Because yeah. I can almost guarantee if I just brought you another person equally as good looking, but better in every other way, soon you would probably be uh, over a time. You'd be like, all right, all right. <laughs> this is our. So a lot of our attachment is attachment to the energy, mm. uh, not necessarily the person. 
So one yeah. of the great questions you can ask yourself in this moment of attachment, where I feel super attached to that person, what is it that I really want? And when you get, when you get true with that, it's like, oh, I'm, I feel a void of love. Recognize that energy. It's more that less the person. And another piece is turn it around. What is it that they need? Like, what can I in this moment give to them or give energetically give back to them that I've been holding? You know, maybe there's something I've been holding them in a certain light or in a picture that they're evil or bad or wrong. But what is their perspective? You know, so almost stepping outside of yourself is a great way to get some neutrality. So we want to find neutrality and then from neutrality, find some forgiveness for them ourselves and then really start to the most important piece, I think, is start to generate the energy that you're looking for inside yourself. So if you're looking for kindness, then start being kind. If you're looking for creativity, start being creative. If you're looking for love, start generating love. And out of that energy, you will maybe attract, at least you'll attract people like that around you. Because if you're a super kind, nice person, you're probably not going to be hanging around a bunch of dicks. Like long term, that's not going to work for you, right? So, so shift your energy as much as you can. And that takes a lot of work. And then let's see what happens. And let's see what happens. Yeah. I, I, I love that so much. And absolutely, you, kind of, you don't really want to be around a different type of energy than what you want to be, can you? Uh, and keep it sustainable uh, is, is definitely a big factor. And actually, uh, when it comes to um, the whole expectation around letting go, I really vibed with that, actually. It was, uh, that's really interesting because uh, I definitely find myself uh, still actually finding this idea of, oh my God, when am I going to let, let, let this person go compared to, you know, when I let this girlfriend go, you know, a year ago. Yeah. So, one part to that, one yeah. more piece, super important, which is time. Mm. Like we, we get wounds. And I've said this in my, I have a healing from heartbreak course that's free. So if anyone wants it, it's free. Uh, we all have wounds and wounds can be like physical wounds. Emotional wounds can be like physical wounds where they open and it's like a gash. And if we don't heal them, they get infected. And with resentment, with all sorts of gnarly energies, and and wounds heal from you know putting something on them to help them heal, but they also heal just from time. Mm. And so, a certain amount you could do, so it doesn't get like overly infected. But then there's also just time. And so, on a biological level, physiological level, like if you miss somebody, you're like oh, I miss that sex so much, right? <laughs> uh, there's like these old mental patterns where you're used to having them. Some of that is just going to be time. I had a relationship that took me three years to get over. Um, so, you know, I think that, and then after I did, the person came back around and was like, I want you back. Wow. You're like, whoa, I just got over this. Ah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, so, and yeah, time. So, yeah. So what was, um for because obviously it, it was a long term a long time for you to actually get over that person what do you feel like was a big um influencer on you helping you get over and that's uh a couple well two things let me sorry i'm just plugging my laptop in two things one uh the first person i had to get over high school through college probably took me three years or four years as well i was just like devastated and that one i was just a mess and it was just time dragging me (laughs) i did not have the tools that i needed to get through it and i wish i wish that i did but it's just the way that it was uh 
And the second time around, what helped me the most was my meditation, the, the energy work that I do, and guides around me. Like, right. like you, sometimes you just need, you know, if you want to lose weight, you, you need uh, somebody in the gym with you, right? If you if you want to get mentally healthy, maybe you need a therapist. Yeah. If you want to heal from heartbreak, maybe you need a relationship coach or therapist. So I work with a lot of great healers that help me heal. And honestly, I I don't know what I would have uh, done without them. Yeah. And even still, like I was the director of a spiritual school. I was meditating like a gazillion hours a week, doing healings, getting healings. Like nobody on the planet was in a better position to heal than me. I was living in Hawaii, surrounded. The whole school was all women and me. Uh, almost all the students are always women, right? Oh, oh, wow. Women love this kind of work. It just tends to attract more women than men. Yeah. Uh, and so I was in this perfect position to heal, and yet it still took me so long. And uh, so there's only so many shortcuts. I don't know. Some, pe some people also just heal faster than others. You know, for me, it was such a deep wound that it took a while. And also, it's, it's about how we think, isn't it? So, like, how we learn to think rather than when we were younger. I, I know I definitely was yeah. actually taught this deep, unconditional love, and I'm so blessed for that, but it did cause me a lot of strife growing up um, with this that thought of, okay, it's so easy to get love. And then that really cutting me deep when I didn't just get love. Uh, you know what I mean? So there I was in high school. Yeah. And like feeling like, wait, like how do I get love? Like, I just had it so easy before. What's going on? I had always felt so insecure. And so, so I guess... Um, People are looking at you, Karen, like this good-looking, healthy you know, ripped bastard, and he's all like, I'm insecure and heartbroken. Everyone's like, they hate you right now. <laughs> yeah, like, I literally was. And that's the way I, like, I operated when I was in middle school and high school, and I just had no idea. No idea. I just had this idea or this belief, rather, um, that, okay, this is how people see me, uh, so I need to show up with a big smile on my face, even though I feel like shit. And uh, I, I, I need to try act confident, even though I really don't feel confident, and I can't talk about that. Uh, so that's definitely what's where I was coming from. Yeah, yeah. and you got to be able to be honest and true with your emotions. I was teaching a course a class on heartbreak once, right after I'd gone through it. I was walking while I was walking to the building to teach. I was bawling, and I and I got in there and I sat down, and I was like, "Well, I just need to own this. I'm not going to pretend to be Mr. Perfect Teacher," you mm -hmm. know. Oh, everyone else who's working on relationships tonight, let me tell you how it's done. <laughs> so I was like, I want everybody in the class to just turn to the person next to you, say hello, and then tell them the last time you cried was and why. And, uh, and then I said, well, last time I cried was walking here. <laughs> and I taught one of the, I think one of the best classes I ever taught. There was a lot of tears in the room. And to this day, I've will run into people who will mention how important that class was to them and uh because i was coming from where i actually was at so by no means am i perfect or is anybody perfect and you have i think the treasure you have to offer the world is the pain that you've healed through and healed from right the treasure you have to offer is your experience in life and so my it was weird my some of my spiritual teachers would be like don't teach relationships that you don't want to get into that space because then girls are still coming after you it's not a good way to be a, a spiritual teacher and they would always say those things 
So I didn't teach any relationship stuff for years. But I was like, damn, but this is what I'm going through. How can I avoid this? And yeah. so I, when I started to teach it, it started liberating me because that's you, you learn something once when you learn it, but then you really learn it when you teach it. The uh, memory coach, uh, John Quick, I think is his name. He says, you forget 80% of what you learn after you learn it within like two hours, unless you te you know teach it or or hash it out again. Uh, I saw him speak in person recently and he was, he was really, really great. So, so in some way, you can't just take in, digest information and it's gotta come out. And for me, that's healing and helping others. That's how it comes back out. Uh, so in some way, you'll probably have to do that too. Maybe you're a guide for somebody else who's going through something you've already been through. Yeah, but heartbreak is a bitch. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, it is a bitch. I guess everyone. Um, <laughs> to some degree at least yeah definitely um and i do want to ask as well it was, was is, is there like maybe a moment that comes up or an attachment that comes up if i ask this question of what what is dark for you what was darkness for you throughout the throughout darkness. Mm. darkness probably self-judgment wow. like uh not fucking good enough yeah, uh, that would be one of my biggest struggles in this life was always the invalidation that I, I wasn't good enough in some way. And I tell this story, I, I, I was sitting on the beach in Hawaii at, on this, at this park, and I, and I thought, I'll never be as good as my teacher. And yeah. right when I had that thought, a bird took a huge shit on me, just like all <laughs> over me. And I was like, ah, oh, damn it. And that was, that was, that was the only time that happened when I started my own work online. The first video I ever went to make, I got up on a ladder, putting up a green screen. I had the same exact thought, but about a different teacher I had and the whole ladder collapsed. Everything fell on me. I hit my head so hard. I had a huge welt, couldn't record for days. And every time I would have that thought, life would smack me upside wow. down. And, the, and at a very deep level, Kieran was, I was like, I'll never be as good as my gurus, as my teachers, because mm. I'm just this younger person without as much experience who has more pain. And, you know, I'm going to be super honest. I, I coach some of my old teachers now in business and work with them i do healings on them and uh, by no means am i better than them but now i can be an equal I love that. And, and 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 so it was something i had to deepen into and release all of that invalidation of not being good enough and now i get it on other levels like it's crazy but like i'll i found myself at at dinner with like a mega superstar musician or uh, an actor or like I find myself in weird, weird moments, positions. And then again, I'm like, oh, I feel smaller because they're so big. And I'm like, oh, that's, again, that's not true. They're a human yeah. being, I'm a human being. Nobody's bigger or smaller or better or worse. Uh, and so life will always come to us with these themes. We have these, I think all of us have probably like, I'm just making this up, but like, let's say three or four main themes in life. So one of yours is relationship. Another one is probably going to be career because you're a trailblazer. You're making your career up. So that's always going to be a big thing. And so we all, and probably some invalidation that comes with that. And so all of us have these three or four themes that are recurring, 
But what I like to say is like, when things come back around, maybe you keep feel like you keep getting in the same relationship over and over that ends up not working. Like for me, I kept getting in a relationship and then rejected. I was like, oh, again, son of a, you know, God hates me. I'm not good with all that stuff. But what, what it is, it's not a circle. I like to see it as a spiral. So you come back around, but every time you're getting closer to the bullseye. So like, oh, third time around getting rejected. I'm, I'm learning this at a whole nother level now until the point where like I'm cool with rejection and then that lesson doesn't need to return. And That's I it. think in, in one lifetime that happens, but on a soul level, maybe that happens thousands of times over and over until you get it, right? In the Indian concept, you just learn it again and again until you get it. So if you're listening to this and some shit is happening to you over and over don't invalidate yourself that you're not making progress. That's actually a sign of progress. You're calling it in again to learn the next piece. Call it. You might have to consciously call it in again to learn the next piece. <laughs> My teacher once said, David, I want you to go out and get someone to dislike you because you always want everyone to like you. I was like, you want me to consciously go out and create a scenario where I have to learn from? Aren't there enough that just happened? He's like, no, I want you to go out and just get someone to fucking hate you. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh. and then you know what? Right after he said that, it started happening, criticism and all that. And I was like, oh, I have to deal with not always being the guy everybody likes. Yeah. You know? So how did you deal with that when it came to someone disliking you? Hard. I still yeah. have a hard time with that for sure. I, I think innately I'm a healer. Yeah, you want everybody to feel good, right? I hate when someone doesn't feel good. So if I'm making them not feel good, that puts me in pain so to become a healthy healer and some of you who are listening to this some of you are healers some of you are creators some of you are lovers right we all have different uh not careers just careers but like energetic paths like maybe the core of you all you want is babies or all you want is to create a family or maybe the, the core of you is to heal right so for me one of my core energies is a healer and so I would always create scenarios where there was uncomfortable situations that I wanted to fix that maybe I couldn't. So to be a healthy healer, I had to learn to like give people their space, let them go through pain, have boundaries, only heal when it's appropriate. All of these different lessons that came as a healer. I can't fix someone else. Fixing someone else doesn't make me a better person. <laughs> on and on and on, right? I had all of these... I can't live up to other people's expectations. Now that I have podcasts and you know, people listen to me online, if someone books a session with me, their expectations are astronomical, right? They're like, oh, this guy will fix everything in one hour. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Doesn't quite work like that, mate. Sorry. Doesn't quite work like that. <laughs> you know, what I do like to say is someone might come to me and they're at, on step nine out of 10 and then, wow, some massive shift occurs. And then they go tell their friend mm. and their friend comes and they're like, I want that. I want that. Mm. And then down and they're on step two. And mm. step two is all about rejection or regret or stuckness or confusion. And we spend an hour sludging through the mud and they're like, well, I didn't, I didn't get what they got. And I'm like, you're not where they are. And that's a hard thing to say to people and for people to realize. So now I rarely do one-off sessions. 
I almost exclusively work with people for, and I only work with like three or four people at a time now, but I, I will do like three months minimum because that's what it takes just to make a dent in a lot of this energy. I'm actually the same. If I take on anyone, I, say, I don't do any sort of one-offs. I, I say, no, this is it. I'm not doing anything at least in 12 weeks. Um, yeah. Otherwise know. they'll just barf on you all of their problems and then, and then you have to clean it up. Yeah. Roll <laughs> uh, up on aisle, David. literally though yeah literally it's like um okay i'm gonna go to the therapist and do this one hour session i'm gonna feel good and this is what i used to do and i actually i actually went to a few therapy sessions when i was really struggling around um this whole depressive experience and when i was in this dark space it would i would feel good honestly for maybe three days maybe sometimes just two hours but i would feel good just releasing that energy and then um, the moment something triggers it back up and we'll come back to the surface i'll be back where i was um and i was wondering why i i i, I thought it was it was inescapable i thought this was me yeah was my life um because i was attached I say something era. about that about depression um i had a great teacher in college who he drew a line on the board in this lecture hall is like three four hundred people and on one side he wrote suicide and a horizontal line and on the other side he wrote enlightenment and then he put a check mark in the middle and he said most of us oscillate we swing from one side to the other extreme being suicide which is i completely don't want to be here i want out i want out of this body i want out of this life to the other extreme which is complete acceptance of where i am who i am in this moment which we could call enlightenment right? Complete acceptance of no anxiety around imperfection, let's say. <laughs> and and so we all, some of us swing hard in one direction, like you're obviously swinging a lot towards the depressive end. And other uh, others of us, we just oscillate just a little bit in the middle. And you have to know where your energy is moving. And I think if you don't learn from those swings, it'll keep pulling you back. Again, there's a gravity that will pull you you know, there, there really is. And, and so if you're, if you're on that spectrum, like going, oh man, this is, this is making me nauseous, then you might need to sit and ground yourself and, and meditate and find out what it is you're so in resistance to around being here. So for me, I was walking across the bridge in India, thousands of people, it was hot, they were pushing, I was annoyed. And I had this very clear thought, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't like being in this body. It wasn't so much suicidal as it was like, why am I trapped by this little body called little David in this hot place in India? Like, why can't I just be in the stars traveling the universe? Why do I have to be here in this limitation with this pain and structure? It is so fucking annoying. And I remember having that very clear thought. And then right after that, one of my teachers was like, you just float out of your body all day long. You need to come into your body and get here and own being here i was like no i want to leave and he's like no you have to get in and then i realized that my the only way out was in right but like i manifested this body for a reason and i have to learn to accept being here otherwise the gravity will pull me back again and again and again so mm. whatever you resist will persist right so you have mm. to deal with it and not just deal with it but learn to love it yeah and it's really the radical acceptance around that isn't it accepting that okay as i am now yes okay i am attached to this but i can work on it right rather than not accepting i'm attached <laughs> maybe you can accept the attachment 
accept the attachment, and then let it reveal what it is that you need to know out, out of that attachment. So for me, I got madly in love, I got rejected, I was attached, I sat with that attachment and, and it revealed what I really wanted so badly was this love, right? Yeah. And, and I just wanted this love. So let the attachment teach you. It will never, as uh, the Buddhist monk Pema Shadron says, nothing goes away until it teaches us what we need to know. That attachment will not go away until you let it teach you. Mm. So this idea, this like very cool spiritual concept of like, just don't be attached. You're not supposed to be attached. The Buddhist idea of non-attachment, like good luck. <laughs> How's yeah. it working out so yeah. far? <laughs> I bet you, you look like blissful. shit. <laughs> Blissfully dissatisfied. Yeah. 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 So yeah. let it, let life teach you in an honest way and, and don't listen to everybody else. And you're much more likely to generate real depth of answers coming out of you, you know. So everybody does it differently too. So I don't want to make it seem like my way is the, is the way. Everybody does it differently. You might have a unique style of going inwards. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, like I do know some people that find a lot of peace um, through the movement of yoga, um, yeah. for example, or through just walking through the woods and finding that they find a lot more peace through that than... Uh, just sitting still. And of course, that's definitely a deeper step to take eventually. But as they are now, they do struggle with that. Um, so they find that, yeah, that sort of, that slight movement, it gives them an opportunity to... Or surfing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I really yeah. picked that up here. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. You can't kind of buy it, also. Um, so I want to wrap this up, man. Um, but I do have a couple more questions just to sort of um, really tie things together. So um, in, in, terms of, in terms of when it comes to worthiness, I, I, want to, I want you to talk about just briefly the difference between actual worth and our perceived worth, because obviously there's a big imbalance there. Yeah. Um, how would you define self-worth? Well, let's look at it like almost like... Um uh the, the dynamic the energetic dynamic of it versus a concept so the dynamic of f like false self-worth or egoic self-worth right is there's an image there there's some kind of image in your mind's eye somewhere inside of your psyche and that image is like for like for example if i'm making fun of myself i'm a cool podcaster i'm a great meditation teacher yeah. or or if it's a negative Im image um you know never going to have a fulfilled relationship i'm that guy i'm poor but whatever it is whether it's po the most positive image in the world or the most negative it's got the same quality it's an image mm. an image it doesn't matter if it's positive or negative and so the ego can equally inflate and deflate some of us when we react we inflate we get bigger like i'm so good like narcissists all they are are walking pain covering it up through these pictures of i'm so amazing to the point where they're delusional right and then but a lot of people find uh, ego in in being humble and being small so like if i only punish myself or if i get smaller then i'm not bothering anybody else and that but that's actually the same thing in a different direction so we inflate and deflate but whatever it is it's there's always an image so you want to find what that image is really look at it and see through the illusion of that image and then it almost like 
pops. Like the way electrons and protons have a charge, an image has, a, has an energetic charge or, or emotional tone. So the image, you look at that image and you go, oh, that image is actually created out of invalidation. That image is created out of lack of self-worth. You know, you could see the energy almost surrounding the image in meditation. Uh, so that would be the false sense of self-worth, right? And yeah, it comes from the outside. It comes from childhood. It can come from everywhere. <laughs> That's up to you to to discover. Uh, and the true self worth, I don't think, is an image. It's not an image of any kind. It's uh, an energy that just emanates out of you, and maybe an em emanates out of you naturally. Just like if you if you hit like you dig and then you hit water and it like pops up out of the ground. You know, it's something when you uncover, you take off all the invalidation, you take off all of the pain, you take off all of the programming, all of a sudden it just flowers on its own. So it's not so much something, you don't want to convince yourself, like, yeah. I'm so great, That's I'm tapping right. yourself on the head, uh, I'm so like, let me just beat myself into submission of being great, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, you're just brain hypnotizing yourself into not feeling the pain where you don't feel great. So mm. the just like that Leonardo's, uh, 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 Michelangelo's the David, right? Uh, I think that's who made it. It's, he said, I took off all the places that weren't David, all the pieces of rock, and then what was underneath was, was the real thing. And so for all of us, that's what we're doing. We're taking, we all get slammed with energy growing up on this planet. Everybody, every, we get slammed with self-image pictures and, and invalidation and pain from the world because it's, it's a tough planet. There's a lot of shit going on and we have to get all these, try to reach all these expectations. So first, usually what happens when we start meditating is all of that sludge and belief and pain comes off and then we start to flower. So, so say I find my real self-worth like, okay, I am worthy of being a teacher. Okay, I'm worthy of being a, or a coach or a healer. All right, that's great, but now I have to figure out how to do that. And then again, I'm going to get lack of self-worth when I actually get yeah. into the world. A lot of people, it's learning to shine their light into the world and own that. And then be practical about it as well. So if so many of us are hiding from letting people see us. And if you're hiding, maybe the person who's going to bring you love in a relationship can't find you. If you're hiding, maybe the money you want can't find you or the job. If you're hiding, maybe the opportunity won't find you. People always will always say to me, David, you got so lucky. How did that like person invite you to their house? Or how did you get that gig? Or how did you're so lucky? I, I don't have all those manifesting skills. And I'm like, dude, it's not magic. I'm just letting myself come out, my energy really work for me, and I'm being genuine with people when I meet them and I'm not trying to get anything out of them. And so that you develop into as a person as you as you grow, that's real manifesting when you shift yeah. your energy. Yeah, because the opportunities are there, but it's up to us whether or not we step out um, to go for those opportunities or not, isn't it? All of you fuckers who are hiding, listening to this, who <laughs> think you're not hiding, if I can almost guarantee you, if it isn't working out for you yet on some level, then you're on, you're probably still you're probably still hiding. Yeah. You're probably still hiding. So, find out what that rock, that boulder in front of your heart is, that's mm -hmm. keeping your light from shining out, and start to and get other people to help you move that fucker out of the way. And sometimes it's a boulder, sometimes it's a bunch of pebbles. <laughs> but you. We, we got to move that stuff. The light is already shining. It's just being covered up by something hard and solid in some way. I love yeah. that.
Yeah. David, thank you so much. I have one more question for you. It's very general. Um, so it's going to be very individual and it's going to be completely based off your own life. So I'm very excited to hear what you have to say about this. And I want to ask, what lights you up? Like what gets me super happy, super excited? Yeah. What makes you feel light? Uh, yeah. I'm more than one thing. So I'm very diverse in my nature. Just I like a lot of things. I do a lot of things. So there's not just one thing, but one thing right now that really gets me excited is, is entrepreneurship and mm -hmm. helping and helping people find that light and then share it in the world in a, in a way that brings them freedom. So yeah. like my ultimate like goal in life or one of them is freedom like the freedom to travel the freedom to work my own hours the freedom to do what I want it's I've been like that since I was born the minute I graduated college and it was my parents let me go somewhere a week later I was living in Europe and have and have never returned to this day so so freedom was so entrepreneurship was a natural thing for me so I love that I love helping people find ways to do that for themselves, especially it's easier now today than it has ever been in human history. If you have half a brain, like you can make it happen. And uh, the, other, the other thing that I really love doing is just teaching spirituality and meditation and watching people flower and become more themselves, like helping them, helping them recognize that the way they feel is not who they are. Yeah. That, that it's just an energy that you can get through every day and you will never be perfect but if you can learn how to ride the waves you're going to get knocked down less and less over time and this is this human experience doesn't have to suck it really yeah. can great and you want to surround yourself with people who who know how to live life so many of us especially if we stay where we grew up we get surrounded unfortunately by people who are not really living life like how many people if you're listening to this how many people around you do you know that are in your ideal relationship that you go, Oh my God, the love and communication between those two is exactly what I'm looking for. How many people do you know who are, who are like, Oh my God, their business, the way they run it with the integrity and the amount of money they make is exactly what I want or spirituality, right? There are very few people. We usually have to go on YouTube to find those people. And then they're just showing their best face. And then we're like, I can never live up to that because that shit is edited. <laughs> Absolutely. So, and so, cut. And cut. Yeah. We're going to cut with this. Like, if yeah. you're listening to this, you don't even know how much crappy shit we cut out there. Yeah, I know. Oh, I should cut all that bad stuff out. <laughs> all the racist, offensive. Like so, uh, you know, look around you. Who do you surround yourself with is vitally important. So I love that. I love, I love inspiring people and teaching. I love being creative. Uh, I'm working on a book right now. I'm, I'm enjoying writing as much as I can. I'm a Star Trek geek. <laughs> I absolutely love, I love futuristic stuff. I so, sometimes I'm just upset that I can't be in space, that I can't just travel in the stars uh, on a physical level. I can maybe on an energetic level, but I want to go out there. I, 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 I think I was meant to be born in the future, so I, I love that. Uh, I love that very much too. And I'm an avid like consumer of of content of learning. Like there are days, especially when I'm writing, I'll maybe I'll spend eight or ten hours that day listening to podcasts on how to write better. Or if I'm business building, I'll spend ten hours listening to podcasts on how to build a business. Or a or a coach. Like I know, I know what I don't know, 
and uh, I, and I will just, I will put my head, I'm not, I always say this to my students too, like I'm not particularly good at anything or that smart or super athletic or that talented. The one thing I have going for me is I'll, I'll put my fucking head through a wall over and over until I get something. Mm-hmm. And I, I will put in 12 or 14 hours in a day to make sure it happens. I will live in poverty to follow my dreams. I hitchhiked out at the airport when I got to Hawaii. I had no money. Okay. I slept I on someone's floor for a month. I lived in a tent wow. for three months. Like I was willing to do what it took to, to follow my dreams. Um, and even though I didn't even know exactly what they were, I was following this like intuition of what I wanted. Uh, and and most people sp- waste, you know, two, three, ten hours a day just doing stupid shit. <laughs> even when they tell me they don't, when we do an assessment of their time, they do. They're, you do. You're listening to this. You waste a lot of the time. <laughs> totally. I still do. I still do. And I'll catch myself. I'm like, ah, oh, Kieran, that's what you're doing, mate. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> we need to so do let's, something about that. <laughs> well, let's turn that around. Like, if you're binging on Netflix or something, like, I'll teach a class. And then I'll need to watch Netflix mm. for my mind to, to just be chill. So mm. that is okay. So mm. make sure you're just being honest with yourself. I, I used to invalidate myself for that. Like I'd be like, oh, you're not working every minute of the day. And then I realized I can't be creative like this. I need yeah. to go for a walk. One. Yeah. I need to lay stare at the ceiling for two hours. I need to do whatever it takes for my mind to reset. There's a difference between self-care and procrastination, isn't there? Like, huge, you know? huge difference. And only you know what, mm. what that is. Uh, yeah. So there's so much opportunity. People don't realize how much opportunity. If you're listening to a podcast, you've got a phone, you've got a computer, you live okay. in a house, yeah. you, can, you have opportunity. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your phone is more powerful than any computer was, you know, 10 years ago and, and back. So you've got tons of opportunity. You can make whatever, you can find a date, you can make a career, you can find a new place to live. Like mm-hmm. it's all everything that's ever been said or done by a human is on your phone it's there and instead you're using it to look at cats and judge other people like yeah. get your shit together <laughs> and start, start doing it yeah Definitely. david i want to say thank you so much man i honestly um so i re- um just to sort of summarize this i reached out to david a little while ago with zero expectation of a reply but he responded gave me his email um we got a contact and set this up and it was just unbelievable the fact that you were willing to take your time because honestly, David is a really busy guy. He's writing a book, like you said. Um, he's, he's got a social media, um, like a lot of social media going on. He's on Insight Timer on the meditation app. Highly recommend giving that a go. If you download Insight Timer, you can get his 10-day free meditation of letting go of attachments. And that's actually what changed my meditation structure completely. Well, thanks to that. Um, on top of that, you've got like a year-long meditation course. Uh, he's got a lot going on. So David, please talk quickly about the book. Um, if you yeah. know on a date or... Anything? Uh, you know, no date yet. Okay. It's still too much in the raw, yeah. I would say. Uh, but what I will say is, uh, I, I always say this, like, I'll give away any of my courses for free if you email me and don't have money and ask. So you have no excuse. Yeah, I love that. Whatsoever. 90% of my content 95% of it on Insight Timer is free already. Uh, and, and so it's all on there. If you have trouble sleeping, I have a free sleep podcast called Grounded Sleep, where I will bore you into sleep. Uh, and Energy Matters is the podcast where I, I, me and my co-host Cody interview guests on spirituality, wellness, meditation, all sorts of cool topics. Uh, and uh, yeah, so 
you know, no, no excuses. And if you don't like me or my style, still no excuse. Find someone you do like. There's, there's something for everybody. And uh, I guess the one place you can find all my stuff would be davidgandelman.com, probably the easiest place. Cool. And I'll put that stuff in the notes as well so you oh, can find one it. One last thing. If this airs before end of October 2019, I'm cool. leading a retreat to Nepal and Bhutan back to the Himalayas, uh, a nine-day retreat and with a good friend of mine, Jordana, who's also a meditation teacher here in Los Angeles. Amazing. So if you want to come to the Himalayas, here's an opportunity. Amazing. That one I can't give away for free. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, Can I send an email? <laughs> yeah. Someone I get 10. Hey, you said. Uh, Bhutan, Bhutan charges an enormous amount of money just to be wow. in the country every day. Yeah. So no getting around that. Mm. All right. Well, thank you so much once again, mate. And um, I... I just want to say to everyone listening, please do yourself a favor and um, do two things. One, follow him on social media so you can start to learn a bit more from him. But B, definitely do his meditations. I 100% guarantee that um, you'll either vibe with it or you'll at least learn something from it. Uh, so definitely a lot to get from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thank you so much once again, mate. Um, yeah, Absolutely. and that's everything from me. Guys, um, remember to subscribe to the Pocket Coach podcast. Leave a review. Uh, really does help me not just uh, improve the podcast, but also puts me in a position to be able to reach more people and share more uh, messages from amazing people like David. Um, so it really would mean a lot if you do go ahead and do that and do share this podcast with anyone that you feel um, will benefit from this. I do believe that there will be a lot of people that will. So. Uh, once again, thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, stay tuned for the uh, next one. And uh, much love, guys. Stay blessed. Cheers.